Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in full effect for the Detroit Is Different podcast and the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. Yeah. I got uh, one of the homies that does a lot of work when it comes to entrepreneurship, community work, artistry, and just all around a, a creative and inspirational person. Many people know him, and he also has uh, a, a, a bit of humor in most of what he does as well. Jay, how you feeling? Man, I'm feeling amazing, big guy. Yeah. Amazing <laughs> is a heck of an adjective to use yeah. as we are uh, closing out 2019, heading into 2020. All day. Um, we usually start all of these discussions with Detroit is different with your family ties to the city of Detroit. How did your family come about coming to the city of Detroit? Okay, so um, that's a really interesting uh, question. Um, so my mom is actually from Honduras. Um, so her people is in Boston. Um, she came here uh, to, to the Pinehurst, is that Myers area? Mm -hmm. And was working at the Northwest Activity Center where a gentleman, um, my dad was working and supervising, right? Ain't that something? Yeah, you know, nice shapely lady from out of town. And he from Mac and with Gary, right? And he came in with that juice. Like, you know it, baby. You up? hear me? Yeah. yeah, so um, you know, and then his people were like from the south. So uh Where at in the South? Uh Alabama. Okay. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah. So um, you know, that's kind of the it, you know, I'm from Mac and Bewick for the most part. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, when we think about Mac and Bewick, mm -hmm. as it's one of those historic cross cross intersections, yeah. cross streets in the city of Detroit, a lot of people say, like, it's going to be on Mac and Bewick. It's yeah. going to be on Mac and Bewick. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my homie Stretch Money and a lot of the homies that come from over there. But when yeah. I think that, I think him initially. But that neighborhood also has a lot of character when it comes to black entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the barbershops, a lot of barbecue places. Um, it's a lot of other things going on. Churches, yeah. uh, ice cream parlors, tire places, yeah. rim places, yeah. uh, tax return places. Yeah. It, it's not as, I guess, characterized as how people make it seem yeah. that is happening at the liquor store. Like that whole neighborhood, you know, Mac Alive, um, shout out Alberta Tinsley Talabi and some of the work she's done with the different representatives that she's known. But yeah. what impression did that have on you as a young kid? So that's, a, I mean, I need mean, some great questions, big guy. So, <clears throat> so Mac and Bewick for me was uh, truly in the essence of, um, you know, growing up was was that belly of the beast. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, it's gonna take a twist to some of the negative sides of things, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, at a young age, um, especially in the '80s, you know, the crack epidemic hit. Mm -hmm. So, like, we would be walking the alleys because people walk the alleys a lot more than they walk like the streets. You know. Taking rocks, throwing rocks, man, you know, dribbling the ball, trying to learn how to, you know, 
flip your skateboard and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, it would be nothing for us to go to the trash and it'd be like a dead body in the trash. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, we'd be playing basketball and, you know, we'd be doing our thing. Shots would go off, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when shots go off, you know, we'd kind of leave for a second. And, and literally, like, two or three minutes later, we arguing about the points. Man, I had five points, you know. So if the score was this, the score was that. So, <clears throat> you know, coming up in that, man, like, um, it gives people, like, a different type of grit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's painfully obvious that it's a lot of um, st stress that a young person kind of goes through coming up in those type of environments. You know, I don't think nobody should be stepping over no dead body or just like, you know, seeing people shoot and all that other stuff um, just in that area. Um, but it was also, you know, um, like a family-oriented place as well, too. So, you know, you had a lot of people that was really looking out for each other, you know. So, I mean, I you know, I love my city, man. I love the hood um, in a big way, you know. And that's one of the unique things I think about a neighborhood like that, mm -hmm. the, the layers and the complexities that yep. it's not as linear as sometimes, I guess, television portrays things. Yeah. As if, you know, uh, a dope dealer isn't not necessarily related to possibly the preacher, isn't necessarily related to the person that runs the tax business. Right. That's going to give the loan to the lady that needs to keep her lights on. Absolutely. Like it's, it's more layers to a lot of uh, these stories than sometimes television has portrayed it. Absolutely. Um, and that's definitely one of those communities because you also think of the manufacturing that's a stone's throw from that same neighborhood as yeah. well. Yeah. And you also think of, you know, um, the, the, I guess I would say like the 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 Detroit River, like a, one of the biggest assets, isn't yeah. even that far from there either. One of the mm -hmm. world's greatest assets, actually, right now. Mm -hmm. um, and all of this exists in that same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, I, I want to say you you mentioned Nipsey downstairs, and he was even talking about it. Like you know, we grew up, you know, a couple miles away from the beach, but people didn't even necessarily go to the beach in my neighborhood. Right. You know, we're when we think of the thoroughfare in the asset that water is right now. Oh yeah. And the Detroit river and touching it and the processing plant that's like all right there. Yeah. In that neighborhood, basically like, like when you think of the scope of it, like a couple miles away, it still seems like so many worlds away for a lot of people in those homes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but you already know the hood has been, you know, really, um, hit with a lot of psychological warfare. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the Stop Snitching campaign. Mm -hmm. I think that that was a very intelligent campaign to keep crime on the inside. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, these imaginary uh, lines where people don't necessarily, um, you know, go beyond these borders, um, I I get it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I really get it. So, so as that goes on, um, mm -hmm. mom and dad... Uh, 
Honduran, and that definitely brings like a whole different feel. Uh, right. And then from Boston too, uh, yeah. uh, one of the cities that welcomes a different like Latin and Caribbean flavor for sure. Versus a city like Detroit. Yeah. How did your mom adjust to the lifestyle here? So that's a really interesting conversation because of uh, my mom is actually uh, bipolar, right? Mm. So when you when you say adjusting, she was coming from. Um, I guess a sense of pain to a degree mm-hmm. um, and leaving and then coming um, here. One of the things that she was concerned about were her boys. Um, Cause she had two, uh, I got two brothers. So she had three boys, um, has three boys. So um, one of her concerns was like, you know, education, right? Um, you know, of course being a Christian church mm-hmm. um, and, she feels that, you know, we were too street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but as far as her transition, she didn't really talk much about that. Um, and, you know, she's a very powerful, very intelligent lady, mm-hmm. um, but a simple lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a different working dynamic um, just in, in general in our family. So one of the things that I recently learned, because I just came back from Boston, um, so this was my first time as an adult going to Boston and, you know, spending some time with my uncle, uh, my uncles and my little cousins, right? Um, so what I did notice um, is, so so Boston is considered to be like the New England, right? Yeah. Is what they call it. So um, they operate from what appears to be a hierarchy, right? So it appears as though my family... Uh, there, uh, to a degree, operate from that same hierarchy, right, as it pertains to levels of what's perceived to be success. So, you know, uh, people from the South is just a little different. You know, we kind of got this, you know, this loving spirit, this, you know, we all we got type of, you know, um, ideology. So um, it seems like to a degree it was um, um, not necessarily a clash, but it was an adjustment for me. You know, just seeing how, quote unquote, the elders kind of, you know, they do they talk um, and, you know, kids in one room, adults in one room. And for me, um, it, it, it puts an itch on me to develop um, and, and create more opportunity. So it's a seamless transition from a generational divide. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, that's always been a concern. Like I don't, I really don't understand why um, adults choose to ignore young people, especially that way. Which mm-hmm. that definitely parlays me right into you as a young person. Yeah. Uh, what schools? What What was your interest when you were when you were coming up? Because you're very artistic now. Were you yeah. always driven in artistry? What what was the mind like if I meet you middle school? Yeah, so if you met me middle school, um, met me middle school, I was, uh, so that that Caribbean Latin type of flair. So my mom was always like, I don't know if, if you ever watched the Spanish channel, man, like those mm-hmm. guys be dressing, they be really colorful, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my mom would, you know, dress me up and stuff like that. And actually, you know, I, you know, just had me over in school. And I noticed that, you know, a lot of guys would be a little jealous. A lot of girls would really be attracted. And then, you know, you take a, you know, a kid, 
you know, um, and put them in those circumstances, it's a different working dynamic, right? So in middle school, like, I was a funny guy, right? So I was always good, you know, uh, with, you know, making jokes. I was, you know, pretty sharp guy, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and then as, as well as being an athlete, you know, really good that way. I could always draw and stuff like that. And um, it took my grandfather to share it. <coughs> he would always say, you know, if you ever want to see any of the kids in the neighborhood, all you have to do is go get Jason and, and put him on the porch. And and that was his way of saying that I was a natural leader. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, so for me, it was always, I just always had like a lot of people around. You know what I mean? I always been kind of cool with people and and learned how to, I guess, navigate in the hood to a degree. Yeah, which is a hell of a skill set. Uh, yeah. And one of the keen things that I've been focusing on more as I recognize the value of social capital, which mm -hmm. I believe that we as black people, uh, people of color, but mm -hmm. definitely black people here in America, social capital is a hell of an asset that oftentimes, uh, because it's not as easily attainable to people outside of our culture, mm -hmm. I think we don't value it to the degree that it's worth. Yeah. first and then second we don't necessarily recognize it as the asset that it can be to create new opportunities right you know yeah so for me man and I, and I love how you how you shared that so for me um some of the conversations that I've been in right I've been um I consider more powerful based conversations so I think poverty is a conversation just like wealth is a conversation but yeah. the question that we must ask ourselves is which conversation are we in um, I also believe that the fibers of society just here in America, period, you know, what is considered good is actually bad and what's actually bad is considered good mm -hmm. in this in this society. I think a lot of us operate from the Socratic way of doing things, which is we, we argue to come to what is considered absolute truth. Mm -hmm. um, in 1967, we know here in Detroit, the riots happened, right? Mm -hmm. Well, also in 1967, a gentleman by the name of Eric DeBono, uh, he coined the phrase uh, lateral thinking. And um, he also developed these six thinking hats, right? So for me, um, you know, taking the opportunity to uh, learn how to be in more uh, power-based conversations, wealth-based conversations, um, I think that um, if we practice that, right, we, we don't exercise those poverty-based conversations where, um, and, and we all know the popular narrative when we start talking about racism, some of the yeah. systematic approach to uh, the, the school to prison pipeline. Like, we understand all of the challenges, right? Well, some of us do, but right. some of us don't, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, even with the, like, the, the, the discussion point of riot or rebellion or uprising or how you want to define that and what characterized that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of where I believe you're headed is somewhat in the mind of where my, where my philosophy stands too. And, yeah. and at the root of capitalism is based on scarcity. Mm -hmm. Whereas culturally, I believe our people are people that always look at life as it's abundance. Okay. Um, That's interesting. So when we see life in abundance, yeah. which kind of goes back into social capital, because social capital, you're welcoming in more mm -hmm. as opposed to... Uh, as opposed to excluding mm -hmm. <laughs> more, you know, like yeah. the whole idea uh, to, to strengthen social capital, you're, you're welcoming in more on an even playing field, but yeah. that now is something that you have to have a, a different energy. Uh, the, the documentary that's 
past spring that a lot of people were tripping off of, like that black godfather documentary and i'm like that's his social capital to connect with all of these figures that people recognize as high figures but it's so many people like that that i've run across and most of the times it's like our people where it's like yeah that dude is uh you know he was uh you know he he played craps with coleman young every friday but he also uh, was the was the numbers man back in the day, but yeah. he also was the deacon at the church, and he also was friends with the guys from the Nation of Islam. Yeah. It's like, okay, one second, this is the same guy? I'm like, yes, yeah. because that form of fluid social capital exists. Yeah. And you're like, well, shouldn't he have more money? And it's like, I don't necessarily know if he's quantifying himself by money, but he doesn't need to ask for anything because any of the assets or resources that he seeks. Yeah. He can they leverage those relationships. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's pretty powerful, man, just, you know, just being in those spaces, you know, just being cause in the matter, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I think that's some, some really powerful stuff, man, really powerful stuff. So <clears throat> from there mm-hmm. uh, to high school, what was high school? What high school did you go to? So I went to uh, uh, Edwin Denby Technical and Preparatory High School. DB. Okay. Denby. Yep, TARS. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I went there. Graduated with overall two point six six seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, it'd be like that. So yeah. Denby <laughs> is definitely one of those schools that'll give you some character. It's yeah. So it was different, man. So again, coming from that Mac and Bewick area, right? So I was supposed to go to Southeastern. I was a barber. Yeah, I was gonna say S-E. cutting hair. Yeah. You know, thirty thirty purple and white. Yeah. So um, you know, so I was supposed to be in that area, uh, technically, but then I also moved over uh, to Ashland, so I was kind of close to Finney as well, right? <clears throat> Um, so just being in these areas, when I got to Denby, Denby to me kind of gave me a feel of almost like the suburbs kind of sort of, right? So how we evaluate, um, uh, I guess some of the social quality (laughs) of relationships, you know, um, when we look for certain grid or we don't understand, um, to certain degrees why males may be acting different, Right. Um, and it took me a while to get it. See, I was raised by my father, right? So it was a lot of, um, you know, single parent households, right? And, you know, a lot of women were raising young boys. So, uh, especially when I got kind of over in that area, um, I, I just think that the, the bonds, um, and how they socialize was just totally different. Hmm. Um, I felt a lot closer you know, to people over in that um, southeastern area, um, you know, uh, that Charlevoix, uh, Ashland area. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some odd reason, um, Denby, to me, felt more like a, um, like they had this elitist type of, uh, you know, idea about they self. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the the year I went there was a gentleman that got stabbed and he died on the second floor. Hmm. Um, you know those gangs were extremely present. I ended up getting shot the twelfth grade year. Um, so you know crime was was pretty high. You know it was kind of tough. So uh, some of the principles that Jawanza Kanjufu speaks to, like I was in it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but I was in it in a different, you know, a different understanding and can you give a, a overview of who he is i know who he is but i want you to speak to it yeah so Jawanza kanjufu uh he he uh wrote a book the conspiracy to destroy little black boys 
and he's wrote, uh, written several books. Um, but the what I'm speaking to is the um, the social dynamic of young people being inside of the schools. So they want to be popular inside of their peer group, mm-hmm. um, which you often oftentimes have to defy the adults, right? But you also want the adults in your life to be proud of you. So those two circles, you know, you want to have an even blend of both, right? Because you don't want to be too weird to your friends, and you still want to be respected by the adults, right? <clears throat> so, um, you know, that was a study in itself, you know, just looking at um, school as a social institution as well as an educational institution. So I just thought, you know, man, I was really something different. So during this time, you also started your journey, you said, as a barber. No, so um, I was a, I was cutting hair at about 12 years old, so I was still kind of like in middle school. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so you began cutting hair at 12. Yep. Mm-hmm. And did that become a revenue stream for you? Absolutely, 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 man, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, so even that, uh, having that, having a, your own money, as they say, yeah. especially at the age of twelve, that's, <laughs> that's so. So I was making money before that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so my very, uh, so, so my family, the entrepreneur spirit is definitely there, right? So my dad used to, um, we used to do rubs as mm-hmm. kids. So man, you talking about you know six and seven, man, and he'd get up on the roof. And um, you know he'll he'll look uh, he'll look down at us and say, "Hey, you know I need you uh, one of y'all to come bring me that hammer." And of course the property owners looking shocked. They like, "Man, what is going on? Why did man? Why is it we right this right that ladder right going up this ladder, man, for insurance purposes and all this, man? They freaking out. You got that right. Right. So we going up, you know. Um, but also too, my dad was uh, trained by Tony Robbins, right? So, um, you know, he he walked, we seen my father walk through hot coals as a child. So if you can just look at some of the psychological uh, uh, imprint that that's making on his children, man, like, you know. So so for for me, we're actually talking about some of the layers, right, um, that a lot of times people don't get to see or even note, um, you know, about me. Um, they kind of see some of the impact in some of the work that we do. But, yeah, man. So that's kind of... Um, you know, a blast from the past, and then high school too, right? So, I, so I and, right. and then in, uh, in in your barber work, where where were you at? You were just like in your basement. What, oh yeah, for sure, doing? man. The basement where it all started, champ. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we was on. <clears throat> um, so uh, I, I I cut hair on Ashland, right? So man, I could remember it like it was yesterday. So we got a house full of guys, man, just like sitting on the couch. My dad, you know, he worked for DOT, right? So, you know, he got this green uniform on, man, that that, that piss yellow shirt, champ, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's coming in, you know, looking like military-grade stuff. You know how they used to have those hats and stuff. Did so he drive Did he, he drive bus? Yeah, he used to drive the bus which, for the uh, DOT. Which route did you ride? Man, he was everywhere, champ. Oh, you I know, shoe man. had some hail on Dexter. Oh, yeah, man, but it's cool. It's cool. 18. Man, it's cool, man, because if you did, he did leave you out there, too. Ah. <laughs> you hear me? He did leave you out there. So so he coming in the house, man, and, um, you know, all these guys sitting in there. <clears throat> and um, I'm in the bathroom cutting hair on the toilet. And as I'm cutting hair on the toilet, he's coming in. Of course, you know, when you're coming in, man, you got to pee, right? Yeah. So he gets tired of coming in so uh, and asking to use his own bathroom. So he literally just come in. He see everybody in, and he started unzipping his pants, man, and all. Man, everybody shot out of there. Yeah, you know what you I'm saying? Yeah, got that right. That, that's, uh, yeah, in today's world, uh, 
Yeah, some different. That would have got you a bad. Uh, what's that? Uh, what's what's that review? Uh, what, uh, what do they call that website where people review stuff? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. You know online. Damn. Yeah. So so I know what you're talking about, yeah, but I'm yeah, professionally not knowing yeah. what you're talking about. That's how I'm doing that. <laughs> you see how I did that? I'm from that way, boy. Yeah. So uh, so. He would then have these conversations with me like, look, you can't be cutting hair, man. You know what I'm saying? You cannot be cutting hair in this house. I'm tired of coming into this house and you got all these people in it. This is this blah, blah. I was like, well, all right, cool. You know, I, I won't. So my clientele and people's like, hey, man, what's up, man? You got to cut. You just this blah, blah. I was like, my old dude said I can't cut you inside the house. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, what's up, man? Can you cut on the back porch? So it's snowing, champ. You know what I'm saying? It's snowing. Man, do you know I got an extension cord outside in the snow? I got gloves on. And they sitting there and they getting their haircut, champ. You wow. know what I'm saying? Wow. So my dad came home it's and committed clientele. Right. right. And right once there. and once he noticed like that wasn't gonna be stopped, he's like, Man, there was nothing I can do. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, from that point forward, man, you know, I I just started, you know, really doing my thing, man. So, you know, back then, man, I was making like, you know, hundred and fifty a week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is some pretty good money, you know, to that's be young. A lot. Yeah, that's great money. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? To be young. Yeah. So so yeah, man, so that's kinda you know that how that happened there, and you kept at it through Absolutely. high school. Yep, yep, through high school. Yep. So I had the opportunity to go to uh, uh, college. I didn't want to go to college. Um, I really don't appreciate the collegiate way of thinking, man. Hmm. Um, what's your What's your opinion or what's so, your perspective? So on this that? is it. Um, is is to me, it's a domestic dog and it's a wolf. They get into a, a battle, right? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the domestic dog at some point will feel like, oh, my God, I might not win this fight. Hmm. And I believe that's when the wolf will take control. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I I look at that. Um, it's something about when you are trained that, um, especially to fit inside of a system, sometimes you don't get to see the inner workings of it and you do not get to apply um, some free thinking into the uh, perspective and, and and able to to build and develop uh, things outside of your emotional comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I've, I've noticed when people feel inadequate, they go back to school, right? Then they, they get a, another degree. Um, so so to me, it's just, um, it's a different approach, right? Um, and, and, and the whole, the whole education even when we start to look at science, man, they they are teaching people things that have already been proven. That's like 80 percent of the of the actual course itself. So why are we constantly repeating things that's already been proven? Wouldn't we be losing the true essence of you know being creative and learning new and and really testing and pushing the envelope? You know what I'm saying? So I believe as a people, we kind of lost, man, hmm. in that sense. And um. And I and I follow, I follow, uh, and give some credence to that argument. I, I would I would come back with the challenge of that argument. Let's as, do it. You know, Let's do it. Let's do with, it. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a college grad, and you know, um, and now in uh, in grad school and everything, which I do believe that the the premise of 
of college it is built. To, it's a lot of training and conditioning that is going on. Right. And then sometimes the premise is like, can you sit through this system for four to five years or whatever right. and assimilate to this system enough where now we can trust you in our system right. of whatever that may be for employment <laughs> or for contracting or for, um, you know, this loan for this car or whatever, yeah. you know, like, have you shown enough of a, um, enough discipline to submit what you would ah. consider yeah. your free will to be into this? There we go. But also, <clears throat> do you think that a lot of my, my, my question for you would be, mm-hmm. do you think that many people possess the skill set to independently challenge themselves to ascertain knowledge of self and knowledge of the world and wisdom. Absolutely. You think so? Positive. I mean, people do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you, and, I, and I know you've, you've heard the quote, um, people need to be told what to do. Sometimes, yeah, 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 yeah I've yeah, definitely yeah, heard that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, that comes from that assembly line of education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, so let's look at it from the athletic lens. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a ball, you know what I'm saying? You you learn how to dribble, you you do your thing, right? Like people not really teaching you like how to really get it in. You know what I'm saying? People, they just they out there, they doing it. They practicing, they doing stuff, yeah. they doing it, man. You know what I'm saying? So um when you look at it through the lens of education, education, I believe, uh tries to sit people down. Mm-hmm and minimize their gifts mm-hmm. right um and it and it creates a a longer uh period for you to then be considered educated right yes and i would just i would the only i guess the the rebuttal in my mind would be like i say i don't know how many people actually possess that will and initiative and determination to do that, uh, to acquire that knowledge themselves, to look at it and, and build a principle base themselves. Um, that's one thing. And then the other thing would be. I'm all fiber strong, no child. Uh, but yeah, that, but your, but you've already. I'm saying our, I'm saying our. Oh, okay. I'm saying I'm saying our period. Our moral fibers is tight. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So for us to have strong moral fibers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then not be able to appre- uh I mean possess yeah those um those opportunities just to be great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and to quote unquote need their education to sustain ourselves or have a natural desire mm-hmm. to be better. You know what I'm saying? So I think education kind of, you know, I just, I really think it follows people out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I, and I can follow, I can follow some of where it's a numbing process channel. You know I, I think, I think for some, it can be that, mm-hmm. but I also, it's an asset. It can be very, uh, like everything in life, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it can yeah. be a liability and it can be an yeah, asset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all Absolutely. depends on what your mind state is. But Absolutely. I do think that there are many people, um, especially in America that are looking for purpose uh, 
and, and seeking purpose from being told what to do uh, from a form of conditioning that even goes back to yeah. beyond before yeah. before they were even in a preschool. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that that goes into like the systems that we believe, like uh, having free thought and having independence also kind of it, it. It's a it's a it's a um, incubation state. I think that almost begins in a household itself. If if you've never seen it done, if you've never met a J or, mm-hmm. or, or, or myself, if you've yeah. never seen a creative say to themselves, like, okay, I don't even necessarily know what you do, but what are you doing and how are you doing this? And yeah. it's like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it and this is how I'm going to plan it and these are the resources I need and yeah. bam. Right. If you've never touched something like that, yeah, it can be difficult. Yeah. But difficult is a poverty-based conversation, and I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, because difficult is also uh, based on perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can walk in and be like, oh, man, it's easy. Do, do, do. Boom. True. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah. So w- with that, mm-hmm. um, you also have uh, very a lot of different forms of philosophy, uh, a lot of different uh, connections to to knowledge from, from reading, conversations, yeah, yeah. documentaries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, self discovery yourself. Yeah, podcasts what, like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's yeah. um, what's what's kept you so in tune to seek the knowledge that you sought, and where did that journey begin to build your base of your knowledge center? Well, so um, I came here like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so it's nothing that. Um, was a catalyst. No, nah, not necessarily. If anything, it was, you, you know, just being honed, you know, by my, my family, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like having a, a having a grandmother and a great grandmother, uh, a father, my uncle and my mom, like really in my life that way. And, you know, people really, you know, giving me a chance. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So like. That's like us, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we we having some open dialogue with each other, yeah. right? And and today you created an opportunity to give me a chance to to come out and speak, right? Yes, sir. So, so in that regard, you know, uh, I think a lot of times people don't give people chances uh, and opportunities, um, and you know, uh, we tend to miss out on some greatness that can actually happen. Um, so it was times where. You know, my uncle could have been hanging out, but he was like, no, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to kick with my nephew. Mm. And not just regular kick it, like big kick it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So inside of a space where, you know, he would teach me things like, you know, Jay, you come in here, man, you, you know, you you, you act like you're listening, man, but you're not listening. You know, I asked you to do something and you're not. He was like, "Uh, Jay, how old are you, man? And I was like, you know, I'm I'm 12. And he's like, okay, Uh, well, well, man, I'm 50. Right. He was like, um, Jay, if a four year old came in here and was trying to run some game, would you be able to see it? I was like, yeah. Like if you heard him say that uh, in the other room that their parent told him that they couldn't have no candy. Then they walked in here into the kitchen and looked at you and smiled and said, can I have some candy? But you just heard him in the other room. Right. I was like, yeah. He's like, so how would you feel about that? I was like, well, I feel like they're trying to run game. He was like, well, so so you can see that to a four year old at 12. I'm 50, so I can see when you do that to me. So it created an aha moment for me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when I say big kick it, like we having these type of conversations, you know what I'm saying? So for me, that's powerful. 
um, in a different perspective from a, a different type of uh, uncle or, or father that just come in like, hey, man, go grab me a beer. Yeah, we about to go watch the game and just sit back and, and they smoking and they just kind of kicking it and they talking about women. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a different a different type of death there, you know. So, yeah, you know, so so when you talk about, you know, the philosophy and stuff like that, I kind of came here this way. And then people just, you know, they really just took time to kind of work with me. You included in that. You know what I'm saying? You did some amazing work, you know, back in the day um, by even recognizing, acknowledging. And, and we close in age, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes that's a little different, man, to, to have someone close in age and, and to be able to work well with one another without a lot of that egotistical stuff, uh, you know, being present. And I, I would say just due to the root of where my philosophy stands goes back to that word of scarcity yeah a, a lot of that ego comes to scarcity yeah the thought process is if i'm on a stage with jay yeah really it's only one you know as the the the, the that phrase is very capitalistic it's yeah. lonely at the top or yeah okay yeah, yeah for one yeah in reality I, I i subscribe to abundance right me too john yeah it's it's enough apples on the tree for everybody yeah it's many trees too <laughs> that too yeah, yeah. It's many trees many hills yeah. everything yeah. is abundant yeah in africa things are abundant yeah yeah. and that's that's the land that's the cradle of civilization yeah, so yeah. i need to think from that perspective yeah. not from uh the the idea is yeah. like it's not so I, I i can see and understand i think when people think like that mm-hmm. you know from my perspective but yeah man you you've put in a lot of work and you're speaking about when we recognized you at a kwanzaa ceremony absolutely man and, uh really, really humbling cool. moment man it was me, really humbling moment uh and yousef yeah and that was a great event that man, was the last powerful, event man at the renaissance club in the renaissance yeah. center right powerful. now it's reopened as something else i, I just saw something in cranes powerful man it. yeah it's like a new restaurant or something but real cool place i don't know if people have ever been to the to the uh renaissance club but yeah that's some of that work that when it i is, felt yeah. like yeah man i'm out here and i'm chopping down trees and then yeah. now i have so much more perspective than then though yeah. i love that energy i had there yeah, man, and 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 what it did for for me, um, and what it did for my wife and the community, and just you know as peers, man, it was really powerful, man. Like it goes beyond measure, man. Like, Thank you. like sometimes, like like people just don't know, like when you are just aware, man, and just and just acknowledged in that sense, and not just from um, uh, not just from like an award, but like a deeply you know, uh, committed and, and just deeply rooted, like, this is Detroit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, man, it's just, it just does a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and um, now that kind of moves us right into the talk of the work, the reason I recognize you. Okay, It's funny because we used to we, – we still go back and forth about philosophy, but yeah. I remember we had, like, a pretty long debate at um, – I remember at the Charles H. Wright Museum. Okay. And this is when you were really working heavy with the Better Detroit Youth Movement. Yeah, yeah, And I'm like, okay – I don't necessarily agree with all uh, with the approach, but I agree with the intentionality. Man, do, what, was the approach? The what was the approach? What was the approach? What was the approach? What was the approach? Yeah, this I, is getting good. At the time, I'm, I don't remember all of the debate, but I know it's like, okay, I think it may be an easier way or a better way of doing it. But in reality, it's like I had to concede because it's like he putting in the work. He's galvanizing the people and he's right in front of the people speaking up on behalf of how artistry needs to be a part. Artistry and culture needs to be a part of young people and it it can be yeah and uh it's a lot of people that were not necessarily taking that initiative like you were 
Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think it may be a better approach. I, th- I mean, this is like years ago, Detroit. This is Mary Kilpatrick, Detroit. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure, for sure, yeah. Um, so my thought process is like, yeah, maybe you can work with the city and the, what you call it, and, and approach it differently. But your approach was like, nah, we can do it with young people actually being involved in the process a whole lot more because if the resources to go to them, then they need to be intricately involved for sure in the delivery of for whatever sure. that resource is. Yeah, ding dong telephone. So yeah, and from that, I'm like, yo, he real intentional. He's for driven sure. in that for sure. You know, um, for sure. And, and then like later time on, you- I, I went to that that great event you did at man, I don't even know what that is. Like the art center there off Grand River. Yeah, the and- Living Peace Art Party. Yep. Yeah, you know, we learn when you call outside the lines, you truly redefine the shape, champ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so better Detroit youth movement and that work. How did you get into this? Uh, like now, I guess it's labeled as like cultural placemaking for young people or whatever. But <laughs> that's you dope. I love, I to, love how we grow because these industry yeah. buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you was doing something. You was to me, it was like you was looking out for little homies you knew. But I guess now it's cultural placemaking for young people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's so dope. That <laughs> feels so but, good to hear it that way. I feel professional, right? <laughs> but um, how did you get into, how did you go from, okay, barber with some philosophy and some game about himself to like, uh, okay, let me, let, let's create some lanes for some of the folks. Simple, champ. So um, I started in my family. Um, I'm a really uh, committed guy when it comes to family. Again, people took that time out for me. They gave me that chance and choice, right? Uh-huh. Um, so in that regard, um, I started to work on our family, right? And I noticed, like, when we was putting the work in with my family, like, some of my family members was kind of tripping. You know what I'm saying? We was ta- really taking a, a big lead. So they was like, we would do different events and stuff like that. And they like, yeah, I don't know if I want to put my money in and go do some of this stuff. And, well, how much does that cost? Well, we So it was just a lot of that kind of taking place inside my family Mm -hmm. so I had already had the shop so I was like well let me kind of step away because it seemed like it's creating a little bit of friction inside the family just to kind of work with them that way right because I was real big one of my little cousins know each other so um, as time progressed we kind of dissolved that because everybody felt like they needed to uh, get their money back and move forward um, in the path that they chose and in doing so, so it was like a family business venture. No, it was just us project spending time with okay. family, yeah, and being very intentional on making that happen. I got you pooling money together, mm-hmm. having meetings, those types of things. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in doing that, I noticed it was some friction there. Yeah. So then I developed a promotional team for the salon. Uh, as a result of developing a promotional team in one of the meetings, I said, I want to talk about everything but hair. Right? Yeah. And they was like, all right, cool. So we would, you know, go out, we would do all these different events, you know, speaking at schools, just kind of kicking it with people, trying to allow them to understand what's what. I got invited to go speak at a boysville, and um, it just kind of changed. We brought Stretch mm-hmm. out um, and a few others. You know, and in doing so, you know, uh, I noticed that we unlocked a lot of locked up, like, tension in people. Um, it was like we was giving them some different perspectives. And it, it seemed like they realized that they had a, a chance and a choice. You know what I mean? Um, and, I, I, you know, I remember like it was yesterday, one of the guys, he ended up writing us. And uh, he told me, and it was, it was a little disheartening. 
because um, at the time, you know, I'm in Cartier glasses and, you know, big pinky ring and, and Rolex on and all this stuff. I'm still a young guy, though. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And um, they was like, you know, I know you listen to him talk and all that other stuff, but he ain't going to do nothing but go back to the community and sell drugs. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it, it just, it just kind of hurt a little bit to kind of see the same people that asked you to come speak to kind of say something like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To a person that's already incarcerated or in a program. Yeah, so um so from from that perspective, you know, we kind of quickly moved forward and we put together the Living Peace Art Party, uh May 31st, 2008. Um you know, we knew we noticed that it's a lot of egotistical and territorial issues that typically keep us apart, right? Um, and what better way to bring the community together than art? You know, it fuses class, race, religion, all at the same time. You know what I mean? So it it, it almost brings, um, if if not, you know, uh, I guess the race part, some of the the same working dynamics of the barbershop. You know, it kind of it kind of brings people together. So we did the Live in Peace Art Party, and we said, if you don't live in peace, we guarantee you will rest in peace. Highlighting all different genres of arts. We had the art of going to school, the art of um, uh, uh, artist life. So we had body painters come out, you know, break dancers. Um, I mean, a whole Poets, gambit. rappers. Yeah, uh, everything, man. Musicians. Yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. Visual artists. Yeah, visual artists. We had a gentleman there that made video artists. games. Um, just all type of stuff. Our artist life. Artists. Yep, we had a pregnant woman come out when her stomach was body painted. And we just said, we guarantee if you don't live in peace, you will rest in peace. So that was kind of like the birth of the Better Detroit Youth Movement. Um you know, to date, uh, we have a very extensive body of work. We've had young people to write to the Charter Commission by way of Reggie Wedge Davis. Um, we have had um, mayoral debates where we actually had um, uh, our young person, um, Angela uh, Kilgore, um, that was a Denby student that actually put the mayor- mayoral debate over at uh, Denby, and Duggan, when running, had to come out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done that. We've had... Um, uh, stomping out HIV events. We've given out roughly like 150 million in scholarships. Um, we've saved robotics programs, softball teams. Um, we have, we've had contracts with the um, juvenile justice system. You know, we're at the table uh, working on policies and, and a host of different capacities. Um, and the dialogue is simple, man. You know, our youth mm-hmm. and being able to activate our youth consistently. So, um, I mean, that's pretty much where where I'm at. And you've also shared this with uh, with your better half, mm-hmm. and I've known her since high school when I started at King. Yeah. With Ray, uh, always intelligent, always fly, beautiful, yeah. uh, and very, very, I would say, um, she has to – she has to actualize something for her to like invest in it. But so I can only imagine what that's like growing this project with her. Yeah. So actually the whole better Detroit youth movement is her idea. Mm-hmm. So one day she just was sitting up with me and was like, you know, well, when I get done with school, I want to, you know, have a nonprofit, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I was like, that's what's up. I said, but one day is like an Island. You know, Brian Tracy taught me that. One day mm-hmm. I'll, one day I'll do this, one day I'll do that, right? That day never comes. I was like, so what's wrong with working on it now? Like, why you got to wait till you get older to then establish something? 
So the Better Detroit Youth Movement, the Better Baltimore Youth Movement, the Better Brooklyn Youth Movement, a lot of it came from a simple conversation. So that bond and sharing that, mm-hmm. as you're sharing in business, organization, community efforts, mm-hmm. uh, in many different opportunities and relationships, what's that like as you grew that bond with Ray? Because that you, you that bond started even before the marriage of today. But yeah, you know what what was that like, uh, and what's that growing together? So so when we when we take a look at the bond, sometimes when you in it, man, you just in it. You don't you're not necessarily aware of the impacts that's actually taking place, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's just like you know us here having this opportunity to, to communicate about this podcast. I, we don't quite know the bond is actually being developed right now mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so I, I, it's no way for me to actually qualify that statement you, you understand where i'm coming from mm-hmm. um love is very present you know what i mean so in that regard i think that you know um when you and someone else that you committed to are working uh together um for something that's bigger than both of y'all i think that's powerful man I think that's some visionary stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, that's the old saying, plant a tree that you never uh, even want to sit in the shade under. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you actually plant it for somebody else. So, uh, you know, I just think that, man, it's, it's power in that. Um, so where are we growing to now? I mean, that's that's something that we don't really know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because life happens. Our perspective is just so small, I think. Um, because a lot of it is based on our past experiences and stuff like that and our insecurities, you know. So, again, that, that Socratic way, I think, is just so present, man. Like, people tend to look at um, some of the negative things to suggest, oh, those are the bonds that kept us together. You see what I'm saying? Um, and, again, I don't think it's a way to actually qualify what that bond would look like you know what i'm saying and all the while this and this is in it, where we're in kindred spirit too mm-hmm. uh, even you to jump on me because you also have had your barbershop running as the community efforts are running as oh, well yeah. so it's yeah. like and uh, in real estate too <laughs> yeah and like, doing acting and modeling that's not crazy child <laughs> so so the the amount of time just knowing how to budget your time Mm-hmm. What what do you what's your practice in reference to that? So my practice is, man, a lot of people waste it, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people waste it. Um, when you learn how to be more effective and efficient, remember the Eric De Bono uh, lateral thinking process mm-hmm. um, is ways to get in spaces and excuse me. Um, get more out of a space than someone that is just there, sort of speak. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, in, will do. To the J definition of that, because it's it's your interpretation of what lateral thinking is and how you've applied it, your application. So can you expound on that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, sometimes I would be in a space, and in that space, one would perceive me to... Uh, be a voice in the community mm-hmm. while in that space I would quickly notice opportunities and uh, I could hear deficiencies 
and I would operate in a host of different capacities, right? So I would ultimately be a change agent in that atmosphere, right? Um, instead of they want the community to be present and just go in and just be present and listen and learn, I would actually actively engage. I would question. I would mobilize. I would insert opportunities. Um, and in doing so, if that took uh, 15 minutes, right, um, inside of that 15 minutes, um, I would also let a person know that I was a barber. I would let people know that I was in the real estate. So that one 15-minute interaction was able to multiply my efforts uh, tremendously. So an average individual um, would probably go in like, yeah, I'm only here for the community side. They don't know how to, uh, I guess, flip inside of the the, the process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So does that kind of make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and yeah. I, I like that you expounded upon that because people often ask me, you know, what do you do and how do you do it? And my response is, it's like, how much time do we have to give you the answer? But <laughs> yeah, uh, right. generally, uh, depending upon where I'm at, those opportunities and those windows present themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And being present for those windows, because actually, uh, like, right before this, it, it was so funny. Like, years ago, I met this guy, and, he, and like, we cool. He's, he's a writer for the Harvard Business Review, and one Sweet. of his friends is coming here from Austria and he's Sweet. like, yo, show him some different stuff in Detroit. And it's like, yeah, I'll show him. And he's a writer as well. So Sweet. it's like those opportunities. And then I'm sure I'm going to show him this content things, but that's the seed in the ground. Right. That later on down the line, he'll be like, Hey, you know, this other guy from Japan's coming. And, right, right, you know, right, right, right. And then you don't even know it. And it's like, how you got a homie from Japan? And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, ten years ago, right, 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 <laughs> I was right, right. In the crowd, right. Yeah, I met this guy that just was, you know, we were talking about the the Tigers, and he's a Boston fan. Yeah, that's what sparked our discussion. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, that uh, that willingness too. Yeah, uh, for the person that is shy, a little bit more introverted. Yeah, what uh, what what tips do you do? Do you think they should? So here we go. I love I love it, man. I love it. So so for me. What is in will come out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your internal dialogue causes your perception and your reality mm. to me, mm. right? Mm. I must have fed some, must have fed you I some like food it. that you I that like you it. that you I like, like, right? I like what you're saying. Yep. So so again, um, earlier I said being cause in the matter, right? You are the cause of it. You are able to create. You are the creator of it, right? So for a person to internalize, a lot of times you can say nothing and still create in a very powerful way, a very powerful way, very powerful way. You got an example? Um, it, it, so it's going to sound all space agey. If I was to share, it would feed the intellectual mind. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Most people cannot um, wrap their minds around that process because it's worlds apart from what is considered the standard way of looking at things. And it's a it's a it's a blend between the spiritual world um, 
and and just the simple choice um, that we have. You know, every time we open our mouth, we got opportunity to build or destroy. Well, before the mouth even gets open, it's thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And 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 you can either share your your woe or your wisdom, and what you see depends mainly on what you look at, right? So when we start to you know look at it from uh, an introspective per- perspective, huh, that sounds weird. Um, I believe that we can really cause a lot, you know, especially operating from a space of joy. Man, you can just you can just cause so much, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, deep, deep, very deep. And I, I follow a lot of what you're saying. I hope that other people can interpret it. And my understanding is a lot of a lot of where we hold our energy as I, I feel the whole concept of the secret or the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. There, There's a lot of merit in the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's as simple as saying, you know, I want a million dollars, you know, let it manifest mm-hmm. as much as it will, depending upon your approach, it will change your attitude, your, your, your behavior, mm-hmm. your intentionality around the other actions that you're making, which will lead you to, that path of whatever that uh, you're, you're seeking to attract. But if you're seeking to attract something that you've already, a, a lot of it is, is that mental, the mental playground, your willingness to accept it and also break down your, the incentive of why it's something that you want to attract in the first place. Mm-hmm. Which, which can be, which can be some, you know, yeah, that can that that can, can be, be really stuff. deep, you know. Yeah, it can be some stuff up there. It's like the 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 man that wants a brand, you know, the the red Corvette. It's like you want the red Corvette because, mm-hmm. or I, you know, or here we go. Yeah, the Rolex and the Yays, like my friends. You know, mm-hmm. I have friends that have the Rolexes and, and the Cartier glasses, mm-hmm. but they're doing that to attract attention from a woman. Mm-hmm. And then you put on the Cartier glasses and you put on the Rolex and don't get the attention that you thought that it would attract. And yeah. now. You have to reevaluate yeah, your value yeah. system there because really the intentionality never was yeah the glasses of the Rolex in the first place. Right, it was the so girl. Now right. you now you mad at her because yeah. it didn't evoke it didn't emote the yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you thought yeah. from her yeah <laughs> from the material possessions. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. These people don't you know or, right. or the person with the degree. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. I got a PhD and these people don't even care. And right, it's like, right. Well. Was the PhD a, a personal fulfillment, thing, or was it to walk in a room and say, "Hey, I got a PhD from Harvard," and right, 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 right. clapper yeah. and everything, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know? So, like, what what's the intentionality behind yeah. the action in the first place? Yeah. And if 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 that's balanced mm-hmm. and actualized, mm-hmm. then sometimes you may run into what you're seeking to attract even before you perceived you would get there, mm-hmm. you know, or or attach yourself to something sooner that is more fulfilling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's deep, which kind of goes into, uh, I guess books or documentaries. What, what, what's, what's in your, in your scope, uh, building this philosophy. Let, let's go documentaries. Cause nowadays a lot of people, it's like, you say Read. documentaries. I yeah. don't know, champ. Cause like, I just, I just listened to a podcast today. Okay. Um, so when you say documentaries, man, ugh. Man, it's like a thousand of them. So, uh, <clears throat> I do a thing called the Hour of Power, and I just I just learned something new, champ. You know okay. what I'm saying? So, um, 
so it's no specific documentary. Okay. Um, it is a book. Okay. Um, that I've been kind of talking about lately. Um, by Ma- Michael A. Singer, The Untethered Soul. What's um, uh, What's the book exploring? Um, that internal dialogue. I mean, since we having that conversation, yeah. Tethered. That's what made me think about us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The untethered, untethered soul. Speaking of what, what was your take on us? As you, <laughs> man, you about to do that to me? Tethered, yes. I'm yeah. So, so the I'm movie definitely. Us, man, I thought it was dope. I thought it was dope because it spoke to a working narrative that I believe is in support of how the world is trying to uh, shift to a degree. Um, I think that they want to move people away from the good is bad thing. Um, I think they want people to be in a more quote unquote meditative state. Hmm. And in that meditative state, um, some of the suppression tactics that they've been using would be able to go deeper right mm-hmm. um so in that regard i think that was represented represented well with everyone holding hands in the movie us um i also think that the bunnies um that the people were eating underground mm-hmm. was a very um intricate way to suggest so the bunny is the fastest reproducing mammal true that's why you know added um, like rabbits <laughs> yep um, that's why uh, Hugh Hefner used the Playboy Bunny. Um, the in the population control, they were eating the rabbits for the people that were in quote unquote their lower self, right? Hmm. Um, I believe the people uh, underneath lost their voice. Hmm. So I think in a meditative state, you have an opportunity to quote unquote gain your voice, right? So what I'm sharing is a polarity from, uh, to me, society, mm-hmm. and how this movie kind of, um, kind of winked at some of this stuff. Yes. Um, and the black family was the strongest family because they were able to kill their old selves off Hmm. and the white family was not able to yeah so to me from a population standpoint it speaks to you know um us culturally it seems like you know um you know seems like we are evolving a different way and again i could you know talk on it for a lot longer but but I'm, i'm liking this take because i definitely um, I love movies. Mm-hmm. That movie had me for the loop. I was like, what is going on? Here? Yeah, yeah. And that is a take that I have not heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is healthy um, to, to get that perspective. And I'm going to go back when I watch it again, mm-hmm. uh, just even from this discussion and tie some of that thought process together. Mm-hmm. As I do, I, I did see some of my interpretation was like the lower self, like the id, the subconscious, the, yep. that whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just more so like even the I mirroring. was so actualized in the or like I was I was looking at so much of the reality of like, OK, that's not even that far underground. But I need to look at it way more in the form of an analogy than yeah. in the form of, you yeah, know, the, can the, this happen? The, the old subways like it was some amazing stuff in there, man. In, yeah. the, in the mirroring process, mm-hmm. you know, you are against you. 
Mm-hmm. So if you raise your arm, if you move, and that's that internal component, you you believe that you are in a space of resistance. Yes. Because you know you are using your eyes and your ears and your smell out here, but you really causing a lot internally. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because the mind is actually the mm-hmm. functioning. I guess like the fun, the most functioning muscle that, that you know the brain and, and, the so, mind, and that's funny because some so the mind and the brain they, they're they, two totally different things, right? But the mind is 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 at at, at is at the root of our existence itself, even how we see ourselves. That's deep. That's deep. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna definitely be watching that. That, that kind of has me throw the next question your way, and I, I know we're getting to an end, but I, I gotta ask this question. Yeah. <clears throat> so, for, uh, as um, because we're, we're we're at a, I guess all times are very um, pivotal, quote unquote. But, it is, uh, man. Right now, especially growing up with the with the mother. Um, that uh, diagnose bipolar, yes. which I, which I'm, I'm one to think that depending upon what triggers and what traumas and yeah. you know all forms or of bipolarity yeah. can be, uh, can that it, it can shift. Yeah. Um, uh, the 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 new quote unquote I guess campaign oh recognizing the about, awareness to do this? To do this? of mental health, especially in the black community. You, so really, you gonna do this to what, me? You gonna make me do this with you? I, I have to ask this. <laughs> so question. I love you to death. What and um, love you to life. <laughs> so come on. What's what's your take on? I'm gonna tell you, champ. I I'm the older I'm getting. I'm recognizing more uh more of these things that definitely uh where I recognize some of those triggers. Like I, I necessarily don't know what uh what resources I have to counsel or or usher a person through. Yeah. But I'm recognizing it more. I think it probably has always existed, but mm-hmm. more so in the industrial age, uh, the way information traveled, mm-hmm. I don't think things were as exposed or um, they just were looked at differently, you know, but um, can you please share your take on like this movement right now around the awareness of black mental health and um, yeah, what's happening, why it's happening, what, yeah. you know. Okay, here we go. This is, this is so good. So to me, right, I don't know if you remember the whole campaign about homosexuality in the black community. The the, the phrase was called Down Low Brothers. You remember that? I remember that whole I remember that Oprah episode as every as most black men watched it and we were like, Okay, I don't think that this is as much of a phenomenon as this guy is saying. That was my take. You know, right. But so to me, the bonds of uh, the way we were uh, operating in. I mean, we were starting to buy property. You know, people was getting out of those old 85 cutlasses and they was actually buying brand new cars. Mm-hmm. You know, people were standing up in the community and it was starting to grow rapidly. Mm-hmm. And out of out of the blue, this whole down low brother thing come up. Yeah. Which is a social attack, again, to get women to not trust males. Mm-hmm. Right? I believe this whole black mental illness stuff mm-hmm. is the equivalent if I beat you for years on out and and for years on out and I tell you different things on why I beat you 
And then I no longer beat you, but I psychologically explain to you, you have been beaten. And I think you need to self check yourself hmm. on the things that you've been doing. Hmm. So to me, African-Americans or black or, yeah. or, or how you identify. Yes. Um, the LGBTQ movement mm-hmm. um, was directly tied to civil rights. True. Right. Um, and as we were fighting for our rights, uh, they also were fighting for rights. Mm-hmm. And where our color is clear, the sex or relation to is not, mm-hmm. right? You can't see a homosexual. You just can't see these no. things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that kind of quote unquote, looking at it from the lens of um, from an African-American um, we are fighting for our rights standpoint, mm-hmm. it muddied the waters. Mm-hmm. So it, it was able to pull people away from that original uh, fight, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, after the LGBTQ component, I believe now they're ushering in this new um, focal point, especially for blacks, um, which is a direct result to me from, of course, black folks got post-traumatic stress syndrome. You driving it, the police come. Even if you straight, you concerned, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that they're just mixing this mental illness component into something to uh, start a working narrative um, before, oh, wait, before you can even talk about race, you're mentally, hmm. you guys just aren't. You so guys need to self, uh, like a self like evaluate, a dismissive. Yeah, self evaluate. So you need like to self evaluate. Like a, a yeah. dismissive way of psychological like approach. Like, uh, like to unqualify whatever you would say, because it's like you crazy yeah. anyway, because you black. Mm-hmm. It's just I think it just broadens the net. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it puts a um, because I just don't, I just don't see the Asian community pushing something like this. Hmm. I mean, have you? I haven't seen any community. I, I think that I, I recognize that. I think that there are, I think it, it always has existed um, in our own ways, but American society itself, uh, mental illness, I, I've just never really seen America care that much about anything other than making money. So my thought process is like, what's the, what's the incentive behind it? So that's why I was asking your perspective, but mm-hmm. uh, I, no, I, I don't see the, the Asian community. I don't see any other community um, galvanized around this concept. The only other community I've ever seen around this idea were, um, and it's funny, it's like, as, as I think about the way that they're treated were uh, veterans Mm-hmm. And uh, when we think about the lack of respect that some of the veterans, especially that have served, right, it may align itself with the concept of, well, you know, they're crazy in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, they 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 get to create a a narrative where you have to, you know, self evaluate. Mm-hmm. You have to 
if if the game is to run at full pace and and get to the end goal, if you are in the race and you are second guessing yourself, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't run as fast. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Very true. So so if I can get you to self is it stagnate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then I don't have to be bothered with you because you're in a conversation with yourself mm. at this point. Because now you're questioning your impact. Mm-hmm. And the and the more you can question your impact, the less there is. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's deep. To me, anyway. Yeah. That's deep. So with that, I'm gonna definitely have to get you back. I'm gonna I'm gonna close out with the classy Detroit is different questions. And this is completely a different loop. Sweet. I love loops. Your very <laughs> first car. Uh, a Regal. Was uh, it a Regal? Year making model. Yeah, Regal, Buick Regal. Um eighty six. What year did you get it? You gonna do this to me right now. Uh what year did I get it? Ninety three, maybe? Ninety three, ninety four, maybe. No, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. So the only thing I could do was get a battery set uh, in there. 86, uh, 86 yeah, put the key Regal in was... it. Put the key in it. No flats, champ. I mean, it didn't work, champ. Engine blown. And listen to music. They'd be like, Jay, what did you do? I was in the car, man, just listening to music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, hey, you got some good pictures out of it. No, because we were, so this before the cell phones, champ. <laughs> <laughs> you got look at you. You would have had to. You would have right. had to take we, a picture. We would have had to take go the, to CVS. No, we would have had. I would have had to have somebody with a Polaroid uh-huh. <laughs> come out, snap that boy. You know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. There was no selfies. Your first, uh, <laughs> okay, your first ride that was rolling there. Uh, a Dodge, um, a K car. Okay, K car. Where mm-hmm. did you? Uh, do you remember the first place you went when you got it? Yeah, probably the gas station, champ. You know how they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they do. Yeah, man. It's your car, man, but it ain't got no gas in it. So, yeah. That's probably okay. it. Uh-huh. Okay. And then the first place you went outside of the gas station. So, that I can remember, I think I went to, uh, was it a prep? Not not a pep rally, but uh, we was having something on Belle Isle. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there playing my music, you know. And, a whole uh, other culture back then. It sure was, champ. So, you know, they people in they drop top of the barons and they getting it in right mm-hmm. and i pull up in this k car and they like man he in the k car you ah. know busting out laughing ah. you know you and then at the time you was rolling for sure champ at the time some of these people was walking man they on feet yeah <laughs> you was rolling yeah, yeah. You, you was rolling absolutely um you're the dj at the end of the detroit fireworks at woodward and jefferson you mm-hmm. get to play three songs what songs you playing if I Rule the World, um, okay. that Mary J. Blige and Method Man, You All I Need. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to be an outcast song. Hmm. I have to do something with my, my guy, Andre. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know which one I want to rock with, though. But, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Something from Andre. I don't know. Hey, yeah, outcast, you know, they got just a thousand of them. Child. Yeah, yeah, just a, a lot of them. them. A lot of Some them. Some off the AT Aliens, though, for sure. Oh, okay. Well, then I was listening to, uh, you know, Millennium may be my favorite song off that mm-hmm. as far as verses, you know. Well, a lot of people don't know that, but, you know, it, it goes the planet, stars, moons. You know, people know if you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, last question. If you could rename Woodward after one d Trader, who would it be and why? <clears throat> if, I were, if I could rename Woodward after one d Trader, who would it be? 
And why? Probably my great grandmother, man. That's deep. And probably my great grandmother because a woman that was not quote unquote educated, but deeply rooted and patient enough to move on after you know her husband passed hmm. and you know showed her family like she did so it would be called the lillian McAllister street i'm with it yeah miss mac baby i'm with it that sounds good too man miss yeah. mac instead of what were you? yeah so uh with that how do people get in contact with you i'm gonna put that down but you can share you oh know. yeah definitely man so um you can definitely get in contact with me through the website um betterdetroityouth.org um you send me an email hbivens at betterdetroityouth.org you can pop up on living noise and six mile at jaysface.com hair and nail salon um you know come by say hello yeah. right and um, I can also be reached via phone and contact my assistant at 313-460-6638 to schedule some appointments. So you want to talk, you want to create, uh, need some consulting done, let's get it. And that's it. Bada boom, bada bing. And thank you so much. Yes, sir. Detroit is different. Thank you. Thank you. And that's for show. Better know that. Peace.